the objectives of the class, I want to stimulate spiritual growth in intercessory prayer. I want us to learn what it means to engage in intercessory prayer for, for people and each other. We're going to study some aspects of prayer, highlighting some kinds of prayer and purposes of prayer. We're going to develop a theology of prayer um, and have an understanding of it. Uh, are there extra sheets back there, Brother Kirk? Did you leave them back there? People are still coming in. If you didn't get a syllabus, you can just leave them in the chair back there. Anybody else ought to make sure they get those. More folks are coming in. Y'all come on in. We're handing out a syllabus that's going to kind of let you know what we're doing. Um, and then also for personal edification. And that word edification is not used a lot. Uh, today we use words like discipling or mentoring. Um, edification means to build up together. In other words, you've got more than one thing and you want it all to grow together. That's edification. So we can do personal edification, which means you will be built up, or we can be edified as a group. We are all built up together, which is the, really the ultimate goal. And so a description of the class, we've got some practical training and fundamentals of prayer. Uh, we're going to uh, have an investigation of important scriptures dealing with prayer. Now, if, if, if I, uh, I'm going to ask for volunteers to read scriptures... Um, some of them may even be up on the board. I know at least a couple of them are because I hand things to uh, Miss Katie and um, she does what I ask her to do, but I don't always ask her to do everything uh, right. So um, there, there's a couple of scriptures that we're going to be looking up and I'm just going to ask you to turn there and I'm going to ask somebody to read it. So just stand up and read it uh, if you will. Um, and by standing up, we can hear you better. That's the only reason. Uh, you don't get extra points for standing up reading, but we will ask you to do it. Um, and if you don't want to do it, just don't do it. But we'll have some practical training. We'll um, have some investigation of Scripture. We'll have a ra- regular practice of prayer during class periods and in personal devotions. Remember that phrase because when I get you to turn the sheet over, you're going to see something there. Um, we'll have guided fellowship in prayer. Um, I'll go ahead and give you a Pastor Burchett quote. When is a leader not a leader? When he leads a prayer meeting. We just ask people to pray and we just quit leading. And uh, in reality, we need to be sometimes guided when we're in a group in our prayers. Let's pray for this. I need this group to pray for that and guide the prayers where we're headed. And there's nothing wrong with that, by the way. Sometimes it is just, hey, let's pray as God leads you and that's cool too. Um, And then we'll have a brief period of fasting and prayer during these nine weeks. And we're going to ask you to do that. It's, it's not a long time. I'm going to ask you to skip breakfast and lunch one day, preferably probably a Saturday. So you eat supper one night and supper the next night. And that's uh, a 24-hour fast, and it's very possible. You say, I really have trouble with fasting. Well, we'll talk about that as we go. Um, but don't forget, I've been a diabetic 51 years. I have fasted regularly uh, in my life at times. Uh, I can fast... A day a week easily. And uh, one time in my life, uh, I fasted 40 days without eating anything solid. And I'm a diabetic. So if you've got a real legitimate thing, you can come talk to me. But load your gun big if you're going to do that. Because uh, I have another quote of Pastor Burchett that I will share with you if you, if you do um, have a reason. Um, because this is the class where I first fasted. Uh, I'll go ahead and tell you the story now. Um, it's a seminary class, which means it's graduate schools past college. And we came to the section on fasting. He told us what he wanted us to do. 
And I'm going, I don't have to do it. <laughs> um, so I'm sitting over there. I was to that side of him. He, if, if, if I were him, I'd be sitting over there. And, uh, and uh, I'm looking at and I raised my hand. And he said, yes. And I said, uh, Pastor Burchett, as you know, I'm a diabetic and I can't not eat. Um, because back then I didn't have the pump or anything like that. And I said, so is there something else I can do for the fasting assignment? Like, you know. I don't know what, I was in school and they wouldn't even let us watch TV back then. So um, I thought maybe I could give something else up. And here's what he said. I was expecting, oh yeah, well, you know, right? He looked at me and he said, Stuart, there's something spiritual about fasting that science knows not of. That was his answer. In other words, no excuse. And then after, you know, I, uh, okay, I didn't know what to say. He said, well, now we'll let you hear from the doctors in the classroom. And he, Dr. Wong, so Dr. Peter Wong from Houston Tech, the Chinese is looking as you want to see, introduced himself to the school. We saw this Chinese guy get up and he said, hi, I'm Peter Wong. I'm from Houston, Texas. And uh, so he was raised in Texas, I guess, second generation. So Peter looked at me and said, what are you taking for insulin? And I told him, he said, all right, cut that one in half. Don't take the other one. Check your sugar regularly. I said, yes, sir. And that's what we did. And I found out, oh, I can fast. So I'm going to encourage you, if you just like, I'm scared, I don't want to, I don't like it, I don't care. All right, if you seriously have a medical condition where you cannot fast, um, we used to encourage fasting a lot in, in a different church, and uh, we had a couple of guys that were type 2 diabetics, and by the time they finished fasting, they were no longer diabetic. And so their doctor, who was a, uh, who was a personal friend of mine, told them, your pastor has done more for your health than I've been able to. So I'm just going to give you that encouragement. It will help. All right, back to the syllabus. I should have saved all that for that class time, right? Um, I, here's a bibliography of extra reading. As you could uh, guess, most of those were assigned to me to read. I had to read them. Um, and I wish I could make you read them, but I can't. But I brought all those books together are only that big. All right, that's not even as big as the Lord of the Rings trilogy, okay? And I did those in a week, so you, you know, you can, you can read it. Um, this one is with Christ in the School of Prayer. When I, I bought it 35 years ago, it was $2.95. It's not much more than that on Amazon today. I, I looked these up on Amazon. I didn't write down how much it cost. This one is called Praying Hide by Francis McGaw. Um, uh, it's about a man of prayer. In this book, you learn about when God laid on his heart to begin to pray that God would give him one soul a day. Not one soul a day asking about the Lord, but one soul a day to be saved. When that happened, he was relieved until God said, now pray for two a day. Now for three a day. And when he died, four people a day were coming to Christ um, just because of prayer. This is God's chosen fast. You say, well, I can't get all of them and I read so and I can only do one. Well, then probably... Most people in here have never tried to fast. That's probably the most neglected discipline in our spiritual lives, even though we neglect a lot of things a lot of time. So I would recommend getting this book because it will give you a lot of information about fasting. All right? So um, they're all listed there on your page, so you don't have to write them down. All these books are very inexpensive. By that, there's probably none of them, even $10. Most of them are a couple of dollars. Um, This one I had, I did not look up. It was already on my shelf. It's called The Hour That Changes the World. Uh, if I told you right now that between now and next Sunday, I wanted you to pray for one hour, one day, all together, one hour, you probably, and I say this very generally because somebody in here probably could, maybe many of you could, maybe most of you could, I don't know. 
you might be able to pull that off. Most of us, we'd start to pray, and after a few minutes, we'd run out. We'd, Man, that was a long prayer. Look down, we've been at three minutes or something. This book helps teach you how to pray for an hour. And what he does is he, he acts like it's around the clock. There's 12 sections of the praying. And so he just starts you off, pray for one minute about this first thing. And then you build till you're praying five minutes about that thing while he's adding two, three, four, until you get 12 things. You pray five minutes each four, and you've prayed an hour. It's really easy, but it's a great book, great discipline. It's a good way to learn how to pray uh, around the clock. This book is called The Kneeling Christian. The author is an unknown Christian. Whoever wrote this book did not want anybody to come to them and talk about what a great person they were, so they wrote and published it anonymously. Great work on um, prayer. It's called A Timeless Classic on Prayer on the cover. And uh, it is just uh, good information, encouragement about prayer. It answers a lot of questions about prayer. And then Lessons in the School of Prayer by author Pearson. Learn how to pray from Jesus himself. He just shows you how Jesus taught prayer. So all those books I said are listed there on your syllabus. Um, Amazon has every one of them. Uh, You can order them for yourself. Um, If you say, man, I don't do computer, I don't do Amazon, see me afterwards, and uh, I'll order them for you, and you can, you know, we'll work out the money thing. All right? That makes sense to everybody? All right, is everybody already bored? Like, oh, man, I thought it was going to be fun. All right. All right, here's your scripture reading schedule. And and on the next uh, page, the bottom of this page and the back of it, there is uh, the weeks we'll meet. Now, I want you to note... Uh, April 1st is Easter. So I'm asking you to do something leading up to April 1st, but we actually um, won't have that class till April 9th. So even though it says April 1st, um, I still want you to do those during those weeks, but we will not meet on April 1st night. We won't meet again till April 9th. All right? And this will make more sense as we go, but... Usually, most of them are two scriptures. Some of them are, um, there might be a couple, there are two or three or four scriptures. Just out of your week, and I hope you do a personal devotional time with God every day. And tonight, I'm going to show you a way to do that. Um, I want you to read those verses in that quiet time and just interact with God on them. And as you go through this class, you'll notice later on it says... Choose a, choose a psalm. Pick an appropriate psalm. Um, and, and one assignment is even review prayers found in Nehemiah. I don't tell you where they're found. So you've got to read the book of Nehemiah. Okay? And then you do the, just review them for yourself. So that is what that is all about. That is a schedule of reading for these nine weeks um, for you to do. And then here are the topics. Tonight is suggestions for personal prayer and how to address God. So... That's the name of tonight's class. I need my young men again because now we'll hand out week one's handout. And then when you get this, we'll stop to pray. Oh, I got two young men. Anybody else can want to help these guys? Thank you, guys. I could have done them together, but any time you hand out two pieces of paper at the same time, people go, did you get that one? Wait a minute, which one am I missing? And so this way it goes a little more smoothly. 
I'm glad y'all are here. Um, you know, if, if, especially if this class were smaller, I'd be going, why did you come to this class? What made you want to take this class? Um, and and uh, I think the uh, answers to that would be pretty similar. That all of us that are here tonight, I would think, because nobody held a gun to your head. You're not getting any credit for this class, at least from men. And um, uh, it's hot in here, and I'm wearing a wool coat again. You'd think I'd learn this morning, wouldn't you? So, if something doesn't look good, I usually wear a coat because I hide so many flaws. So, if something doesn't look good, I'm sorry. Um, and then much I can do about it is how God made me, and this is what I look like now. Um, anyway, uh, all of us probably uh, want to be better prayers. We, and, and I'm encouraged how many are here. Uh, I was told as a young man that uh, if you announce we're going to have, you know, a, a breakfast, a lot of people show up, or a lunch, or a dinner. But if you announce we're going to pray, not as many show up. And uh, this is a super, super crowd to me to come to learn about prayer and to be involved in prayer. And here's what I'm most excited about. And that is that as we learn to pray and as we begin to focus our prayers, if you were here this morning, I talked about specific praying. As we specifically begin to pray for the life of Calvary and things that happen in Calvary Baptist Church, as we specifically pray for each other in this class, as we specifically pray for our needs in our own families, as we pray ourselves and ask others to pray, we're going to see a lot of answers to prayer. And uh, in fact, um, and by the way, if you came in a little late, there's a, a, a pad going around. Um, I, I thought she made 75 copies of everything. If there's more than 75 people here, we can go make more copies. Did, are we, have we run out? Oh, Miss Sherry's going to do it. Thank you, Miss Sherry. Uh, do you have the syllabus as well, Miss Sherry? Okay, go ahead and make like 25 more of each, I guess. Wow, that's cool. There's more than 75 people here. Awesome. So um, I just know that God's going to be doing great things. And I want to write down a lot of those requests. So once I get that pad back, so keep writing. There it is there. Um, if you don't get a chance to get on that pad, do that. I want us to begin to develop a list that this class will be praying for. All right? Now, not that it's wrong to do so because it is not wrong to do so. Not that it's a bad thing to pray for because it's a good thing to pray for. But I am going to exclude any health issues. Okay? Not going to pray about that. We're going to pray for the purposes of this class. Just by the way, I, I have been present, I won't say because of my prayers... I was just one of many, but I have seen miraculous things happen. And by miraculous, I mean a doctor coming out into the hallway and looking and saying, Mr. McCarter and your mother's children, Stuart and Ruth Ellen, I've performed over 750 of these operations. Out of those 750, three people got what your mother got. She's the first one to leave the hospital alive. And I wanted you to know there's nothing I did about that. And turned around and walked off. Knew a man in a wheelchair in our church. Could not walk, couldn't get up. He had been injured at work. It just got worse and worse and worse and worse. And uh, people prayed for him and he stood up and was fine. And so I was in a 7-Eleven about a month after that. And late said, I heard y'all gone charismatic down there at Stono. And I said, What? And she said, yeah. I said, what, where'd you get that? She said, well, didn't y'all have a guy healed out of a wheelchair? And I went, yeah, that'll make us charismatic. God still answers prayers. That's what it means. 
So people get these weird ideas, but listen, I, I, so I'm not against praying for the sick. But for the person of this class, that's not going to be a focus for this class. And here's the only reason why, because I would want us to pray for each other in those situations. But here's a reason why, because that is an easy thing for us to say and do, and we will have a long list of that. I want us to focus on somebody you want to see get saved. Because along with prayer, um, I mentioned, how many of y'all were in service this morning? I need to ask that before I say this. Okay, good. If you don't know what I'm talking about, I apologize. But I mentioned Miss Roney. There was another lady that had a, a, a lady that helped her like Miss Roney. And uh, this lady was a Christian lady, and she was praying because um, they had opened up a, 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 like a nightclub down the street from her house. And she was praying that God would like destroy the, burn the building down or something. Just get rid of that thing. And, uh, and, and her uh, helper heard her and said, Ma'am, are you praying about that nightclub down there? I said, yes, I am. She said, well, I'm a Christian. Would you want me to pray with you about that? She said, sure. So they had a prayer and just, and, and her helper asked that God would burn that building down. And lo and behold, that night, it caught fire and burnt to the ground. It was amazing. Next day, the lady said to her helper, said, listen, I've been praying for months that God would do something. You prayed one time and it burnt down. Do you, can you tell me the secret to your prayer? He said, yes, ma'am. I put matches to my prayers. So um, <laughs> I want us to pray for some stuff that, um, that only God can do. <laughs> and, uh, and very specifically, uh, pray for somebody maybe to be saved. Uh, you know, if, if there's a, a terminal case like on the brink, I, I'm not... I'm going to go back on what I said. I mean, you can say, this guy's going to die at any moment. And he's the Lord, whatever. We can pray. Uh, I, I went into a hospital room. A, guy, a, a lady asked me. Her cousin was in the hospital. Just telling stories now. But it was, in, it was in the hospital. He had gangrene of the blood. He had blood poisoning, gangrene. He had, I don't know how many tubes coming out of him. Three nurses full-time in his room circling his bed. This guy was anti-God as you can get. And, and I went in with an evangelist friend of mine, and I said, man, you're really sick. Yeah, that's what he said. And he just didn't want to respond. He knew I was a preacher. I said, your cousin, uh, Viola, sent me. And uh, he said, yeah. And uh, I said, I'm her pastor. I don't care. And I said, sir, can I pray for you? And he said, satisfy yourself. That's what he said. So I said, okay. So I prayed in Jesus' name, he'd be healed. And given a chance to respond to the gospel. So we left. We got a call the next day that all the poisons and all were clearing up. And could we go back? So we went back. And there was one nurse. And there was one IV. And we said, we'd like to share something with you. Do you, do you care? So, well, she probably don't want to hear it. We had a gospel tract we were going to share with him. And she said, oh, no, please read to me. I said, okay. So we shared the gospel track with him. And I asked my friend, I said, would you pray for him? And, uh, and, and so my friend prayed and he prayed the gospel. Well, my dad and two other men went back at the end of that week. The guy accepted the Lord, became a deacon in his church and grew in the Lord. So what I'm telling you is I get it that we can pray for the sick. But that seems to be what we always ask for. And there's a little phrase that goes this way. We pray more to keep people out of heaven than we do to keep them out of hell. So along with pray and hide, I would like to, I don't want to come from you. 
How many people would you like to see saved every week at Calvary Baptist Church? Let's start praying for that. And maybe we'll pass the pad back around and you can write down prayer requests. Like if you've got a friend, you don't have his first and last name, just give us the first name. We won't know who it is. Um, you can, you know, um, I, I understand that as well. Okay. So, uh, and we'll make a list and then we'll make sure everybody has that list and we'll begin to promise to pray for each other about that list. Does that make sense? Okay. And it could be anything, you know, um, I'll, I'll, you know, if you're just going to put down a first name, I won't know what, you, what it was about anyway. All right, everybody open your Bibles, 1 Corinthians 1.12, and then we're going to pray. That was just an introduction to the class. That's not how the class is going to run every week, by the way. And I just want to give you a few encouraging stories to uh, keep coming back. Would you join me now as I pray? God, who is our Father and the God of all knowledge and wisdom, Lord, we step into your presence and ask that today you open our minds and our understanding that we might see the things that you have for us. Lord, apart from you, we do not have the ability. You you said in your word, one writer said, I'm, I am more stupid than any man. I don't have the understanding of a man. And Lord, we acknowledge that, that we, apart from your help, cannot even understand you. You said, come, let us reason together, says the Lord. So in other words, we, we get that we can't reason as you reason, and so we need your help. So Lord, I know that what I'm going to be talking about and teaching, I do not fully comprehend, fully have acquired in my own life. But Lord, I pray that none of us will be satisfied with where we are, but that we would continue to move forward and request and praying and seeking you in our praying. Lord, we love you and we thank you for the opportunity to know you and to to be your servants. And uh, Lord, we pray that this would glorify you in the name of the Son and by the power of the Holy Spirit, I pray it. Amen. All righty. Uh, did Miss Sherry get back already? Does everybody have a copy of the first class? Make sure our, our friends that are coming in are getting those. Yes. Uh, there should be a syllabus and class number one. I want you to look at 1 Corinthians one twelve. It's on the board. What I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul or I follow Paulus or I follow Cephas or I follow Christ. That's not the right verse. Um, <laughs> So let me, let me see, did I miscopy something? It's 1-2, that's what it is. Uh, it's probably my chicken scratch. Look at 1 Corinthians 1-2. Man, I'm going to get a different podium for next time. 1 Corinthians 1-2. And this is what it says. Um, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus... Called to be saints together with all those who call in every place, uh, who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. I want you to list four facts out of that verse, and this is a prayer class, don't forget. So be thinking about prayer as you write four things down. 
Now, you may get a different four things than someone else, and that's fine. But write down four things out of that verse that you see. I'm going to give you the four I want to make sure you see, but you may see different ones. Somebody call out one thing you see there. Okay, sanctified in Christ. All right, what else do you see? Called to be holy. Okay, we're called to be sanctified in Christ. Anything else you see? I'm sorry? To the church. And somebody else said something. Call on his name. What did you say about Jesus? Right. All right, so we notice how we're called to be saints. Now, I don't know what version you have. I use the English Standard Version, or ESV uh, is the little initial acronym for it. So yours may read a little differently than mine. But how, how are we called to be saints? Together, that's the word I was looking for, yeah. Uh, we are called to be holy, that was not a wrong answer, but we are called together. How do we identify those we are called together with? According to that verse. Yeah, I heard it in the back there somewhere. To all those who in every place call upon the name of the Lord. How do you know a saint? It's someone who calls upon the name of the Lord. Prayer marks a person. Right? I love to hunt and fish. You know how much I've hunted and fished in the past 12 months? I'm a hunter. No, you're not. You ain't hunting. I'm a fisherman. No, you're not. You didn't go fishing. No, really, I am. Well, show me the fish. Show me the trophy. Show me the meat in the freezer. Uh, <laughs> I'm a Christian. Are you calling on the name of the Lord? That's, remember, this book is written, Corinth is written, not to lost people, to save people. He's writing it to all those who call upon the name of the Lord, right? So, I, I wanted you to get that prayer marks a person. And, and all those other things are, that are true that are in this verse. It is to the church. That's how we organize ourselves uh, as Christians in churches. We are sanctified. That word means holy or set apart for Christ. Uh, in Christ Jesus, he's the one who sets us apart. We, we're going to study that as we go through prayer. We are called to be saints together. That word together shouldn't separate from called to be saints. But we, we like to do that because we're Americans. Called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of the Lord. So I, you can drop me in any place in the world and I will meet someone with whom I am called to be a saint together with. And I'll know that because they're a person who calls upon the name of the Lord. That's how I know. I find the person that is praying to God the Father. So, uh, 
as, as one uh, wonk in uh, the 70s said, if you were to be arrested, and I don't know if he might have been quoting somebody else, but if you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Could somebody look at your life and go, yeah, look at him. Y'all remember Daniel? <laughs> they said, man, we can't get him on anything unless it has something to do with this God. So they got the king to make a law that forbid him to worship God the way he worshiped God. And Daniel, as soon as he heard, okay, the king signed the decree. You can't do that anymore. He went and did it. Because he wasn't going to stop doing what he did, was supposed to be doing. Right? And we call that, uh, today we call that civil disobedience. God calls it obedience, okay? And so we have to do what God calls to do. So, I, I, now I've got some questions, Aaron, and I, this gonna, I'm going to try to make this interactive. And tonight is going to be less participatory than most nights as far as praying in here because I'm giving you, notice the title of tonight, suggestions, not laws, suggestions for personal prayer and ways we can address God. So, you notice the first question I'm asking there. What time of day do you typically encounter Satan? When, when, when do you fight him the most in your day? Somebody just answer out if you want to. In the morning, all day long, someone said. Is that, I mean, I know that was a very general thing. Is anybody more specific or any alternate times from that? Devotions, prayer. Somebody was trying to say something back there. I didn't hear it. Three o'clock in the morning. Thank you. See, all y'all were talking about daytime. You know, I want my wife to work, but I only make her work half a day from sunup to sundown. That's it. All right. So just half day. And uh, so many times we, you may like to do devotions at night because you're a night person. I've always been a night person and then I turned 50. And, uh, so I used to be pretty good at night, and I was horrible in the morning. And now if you don't catch me between 10 in the morning, 2 in the afternoon, I'm not very good at all. So uh, it's, it's kind of a struggle. But a lot of people would say, well, I'm a night person. I like to do my devotions at night. Well, let me ask you something. Do you wrestle demons all night in your sleep? I have wrestled demons in my sleep, but I don't do that typically. Typically, I'm tempted and tried and tested and run into things during the day. So... I don't know of anybody that does manual labor that wakes up and goes, I'm going to go work all day and then eat at night. No, they eat something hearty in the morning so they have energy for the day. So I'm going to encourage you, you do it anytime you want, but for these nine weeks, you do it in the morning. You can do a devotion time anytime you want because, you know, you're free and this is America and I'm not your God or your king or anything else. So you can do whatever you want. But I'm asking you, just as a favor to me, during this class time of nine weeks, do your devotion in the morning. You say, you don't understand. Well, I will get other people in the church who do understand who get up like at 2 in the morning because they got to be at work at 4 in the morning. They get up and do their devotion in the morning. Um, so, uh, not me. I, my wife wakes up grumpy every morning. Someday she lets me sleep, but most mornings. So, uh, so just saying. So, go ahead. Make yourself do it. And uh, at the end of nine weeks, maybe you will have discovered something that remember is something spiritual about what we're doing that your body, your mind, and science does not know about. And so you can, uh, you might find out some things. Yeah. So if you're not digging ditch, uh, you know, if you dig ditches in your sleep, then that, that's okay. But, but if, you, if you're fighting the devil during the day, it might be good if you set your mind in the right manner in the morning. All right. Let, let's look at Romans 5 uh, for a moment. That's close to where we were. Just. Yes, sir. 
Um, uh, ours says both the Lord and ours. Both their Lord and our Lord. That's what it's, it's saying. Both their Lord and our Lord. It's the same Lord. That call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's their Lord and he's our Lord. Therefore, we're brother and sister. Is what he's saying. I thank you. Uh, help me clarify that. Romans 5, 5 and 6. This talks to us about the importance. Somebody want to read those verses for us? This is where you get to participate now. Thank you. When, when does God show up to help us? Yeah, he shows up when we need him, right? When we're weak. Now, that verse is a great verse to use in, in talking to somebody about the Lord. At the time we were weak and couldn't save ourselves, Christ showed up. That's what it, it's technically really saying to us. But we can pull out of this. There's an importance of us meeting with the Lord in the morning. Notice uh, what he says. Hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit has been given to us. So, in the morning, I am a news guy. I like to watch the news and know what the news is. In the morning, if I get up and turn on the news, I'm going to get pretty discouraged, depressed, and out of sorts first thing. So, I need to fill up with the Lord so there's not a whole lot of room for all the other stuff before I, I get to that. And so, he's pointing out that we have been filled up by the Holy Spirit, has been, his love has been poured in our hearts. And when we were weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. And let me just springboard off of that. There's another place in Scripture where Jesus said to his disciples that testing was coming. And if they failed to pray, they would fail in their test. Y'all know what, where I'm talking about? What, what is it? Where was that? He did not fail that test. Yeah, the Garden of Gethsemane. Someone said it. Thank you, baby. Uh, she wanted to move me along. Um, and the Garden. And so here's what we've always kind of just assumed in our mind. Jesus said the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And so we say that like, oh, I'd really like to get up early. But, you know, spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. I just can't do it. That's not what Jesus was saying. What he's saying is your flesh cannot face that test apart from having your spirit built up. And Jesus who is the Son of God, spent those hours, at least three, if you follow along, pray with me. They fell asleep. Couldn't you pray with me one hour? Stay awake and pray. Goes back, prays. They fell asleep. Couldn't you not pray with me for one hour? You better pray because the, the hour is upon us and the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So I'm warning you, build up your spirit so that your flesh can pass. And he went and prayed for another hour. And they fell asleep. So Jesus spent three hours preparing himself for the arrest, the, the beatings, the crucifixion. And to prepare himself to be ready for the resurrection. And he passed the test. The disciples who slept through it did not. There's the meaning. And, and so when we look at this, it is important to us to prepare ourselves for prayer. I, I forgot who said it. I want to I want to blame uh, D.L. Moody for it. But some famous guy said, "I've got so much to do today. I'm going to spend the first three hours in prayer." Um, and I forget which one of them said it, but it's very true. 
Look at Psalm 119.62. Remember, these are just some practical suggestions. So pray early, pray hard and often. Look at Psalm 119.62. How can prayer affect your entire life? Somebody want to read that one for us? At midnight I rise to praise you because of your righteous rules. How can prayer affect our entire life? What is the effect in this person's life in verse 62? What happened to him? Yeah, he woke up. (laughs) I don't know about you, but midnight usually the only thing happening in my house, I'm snoring. And this is a man of prayer and at midnight God woke him up. To praise him. Do you notice that? How does prayer affect our lives? You start praying. I'm not saying you're going to lose sleep. But you might. God may wake you up. Listen. If the devil wakes you up and you start praying. You'll go right back to sleep. Because he'll quit bothering you. Because that's not why he woke you up. If he's waking you up to test you. To give you a hard time. So you'll be horrible at work the next morning. But if you'll pray when God wakes you up. If God woke you up and you pray. You will not feel that loss the next day. And you say, that's a bold statement. I don't think you can promise that. Okay. Test me. See, see if it's true. I'm not saying set a clock and get up and say, I'm going to test that. And I, I just promise. I start praying. I usually fall back asleep. I have been awakened and under spiritual need to pray in the middle of the night. Um, and, 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 and that has happened in my life. But if you, if you pray, and then think about that. This man got up at midnight and met with God at midnight. Can you imagine whatever God was doing in his life, the testimony he could share with others later? So when we, when we have those special times of prayer, man, you get with somebody you, you trust and know, and you're like, dude, let me tell you what God did this week. I don't know what was going on. I, I, I could tell you so many stories, not of when God woke me up to pray for someone else, but when God woke someone else up to pray for me. And, and some of them are just, they're, they're amazing. God did a great thing there. So, don't despise if you've got a special opportunity. That's the time to stop and pray. So here's what happens. Honey, come on up for a second. And I'm not even going to tell. She doesn't know what I'm going to do. I didn't, I didn't even plan this. I'm not her husband. I'm just Stuart. And I'll, I'll, be, uh, I'll be Isabel because I would, uh, you, you know, you'll understand why. So I'm Isabel. And I come up to Janice. I go, Sister Janice, I, I, I need some prayer because... My daughter, I don't know what's going on with her. She's just, she seems to be moving away from the Lord. Will you pray for me? Now answer like most people in church answer. Sure. Thank you. Okay, now answer the way that you do it. Okay, let's pray right now. Thank you. That's what she does. There's a, God just opened a door for you and you go, okay, I'll pray for you. And you walk away. I saw a cartoon. The guy goes, oh no, there comes Bob. I promised Bob I'd pray for him. God bless Bob. Hey, Bob, been praying for you. Um, that's how most of us do that, right? If somebody comes up to you and says, would you pray for us? Say, sure, let's pray right now. And some of them will go, here, now? Yeah, because you might be at work or something. Go, yeah, because if, I'll tell you, if they say that to me, I go, yeah, because I'm going to forget if we don't do it right now. I'll forget about it. So let's do it right now. Let's pray right now. God just opened the door for you to minister in that moment. The most important thing any of us can do is pray. It is the greatest thing any of us can do. Preaching ain't it. Witnessing ain't it. Giving ain't it. 
prayer is it. If we will pray, all those other things are going to happen. All right, so we got to pray. So now turn to Jude. It's in the very back of the Bible, just before the book of Revelation, in case you never visited this little one-page book. It's one of those really kind of neat things, and we kind of go, oh, yeah, isn't that cute? There's a little book there, and we read it and go, "Uh uh-huh, and walk off. But there's a great verse in verse 20 that I want you to notice. Jude is jam-packed with good stuff, but I want you to notice verse 20. Somebody read verse 20 to us. Now, I could have put a blank. Thank you, brother. I could have put a blank there. uh, But what elements are found? And I'll give you a hint. There are two. What elements of prayer are there in, in that verse? And there are two of them. Yes. And? Right. Those are the two elements. Faith and the Holy Spirit. But notice what he says about each of those things. He says, building yourselves up in your most holy faith. How do we build ourselves up in our faith? Faith comes through hearing and hearing through the word of God. Someone said the word right down here front. Right. So I build myself up in the knowledge of God. Praying how? In the spirit. So what I want to put a a picture in your mind, uh, and it shouldn't be too hard because you've seen as many movies as I have. Um, especially if you're my age or older, you saw the movie Ben-Hur. By the way, that was from a book written by an uh, atheist lawyer who set out to disprove the existence of God and, got, and of course, became a believer because he actually examined the evidence and realized that it's the most provable fact of all of history. And he turned to Christ and he wrote the book Ben-Hur. Um, and, but you remember those chariot races. So you've seen other shows and they're riding those chariots. How many wheels on a chariot? If one wheel falls off, what are you going to do? No, you're going to go around in circles. (laughs) So if all you do is build yourself up in your most holy faith, but you don't pray in the spirit, you're going to get muscle bound. You're going to got a lot of muscles, but you're not going to be able to do much with them. If all you're doing is praying, but you're not building yourself up, you're going to become emaciated. Because you're interceding for others. You're interceding for the will of God to happen. It sucks us of energy and vitality. We've got to build ourselves up and pray in the Spirit. Building ourselves up helps us understand what God wants to pray about. Praying in the Holy Spirit is the power in that prayer. If you're here this morning, you heard me talk about that a little bit. And so these two elements are in our lives all the time. This is what we ought to be doing. We ought to constantly be building ourselves up. That's why I give you assignments to read at least two days out of the next week. I want you to read the verses I gave you. And we're going to, I'm going to show you how to write that stuff in your journal. Um, but also praying in the Holy Spirit. Now, imagine Jesus. What do, what, tell me something that you know about Jesus' prayer life from what the New Testament records for us. Just anything you can think of. Somebody's going to say what I want in a minute. So I just want to hear some other things. He went by himself. In the mornings. In fact, what time of the morning? A great while before dawn sometimes. Now, I want you to imagine something. Jesus gets up before anybody else. It's dark outside. A great while before dawn. So, he goes out to some secluded spot outside to pray. 
Is he able to open his little New Testament and read? Now all he can do is pray. Now, um, I'm not telling you not to read the scripture, but I'm pointing something out. There are some times when prayer is what you need to be doing. But you've got to base that on where you've been reading in your Bible. So sometimes we read our Bible for knowledge and to get, glean what God wants to show us. Sometimes we read it, and I hate to use this word, in a more devotional way. And by devotional, I mean we're, we're reading, and I'm, that's what I'm about to show you, how to, get, how to get something that feeds our soul more than feeds our mind. All right? And uh, I want to help you see that. So I want to show you how to prepare yourself to talk with God. So if you'll click the next slide, brother. Um, This is called the three-section paper. Because you're going to take a piece of paper and you're going to put it in three sections. Go ahead, throw it up there. I don't mind. Appreciate it. All right. So you see three sections. You probably can't read that. Maybe you can, but I can't. The top one says Psalm. The middle one says Proverbs. And the bottom one says prayer or a New Testament reading. Okay, so if you want to just put information on there, you could read out of the New Testament. Um, If you want to make that your prayer list and you could pray for different things each day um, or whatever or an ongoing thing or things that God told you. But what we're going to we're going to work on this for a minute, because this is going to help you glean out of the scripture things that you can pray back to God, because when you pray God's word to him. You don't have to come up with what to say. Okay? So I'm going to show you first how to do that out of Psalms. Somebody pick a number between 100 and 150. 107. All right, turn to Psalm 107. Just did that, and I did not plan whoever said that. Uh, So you can see that I'm not... uh, Wow, it's 43 verses too. That's a long one. Um, I like 117. It's only a couple of verses. Um, and that, that how we do. Have you read your Bible? Oh, let me find that short psalm. Um, anyway, let me tell you what I'm going to do. Then I'm going to show you how to do it. Then I'm going to get you to do it. Okay. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. When you read the psalm, what you are looking for, you're asking yourself a basic question. What kind of God would do this, say this, think this? Ask this of me. All right? That, it, so the basic question is, what kind of God would either say this or do this or act this way? And so in your piece of paper that you will create in your notebook, take one page of your notebook and do it. Now, let me just stop again. This is an extra stop to say, you say, what psalm do I read? I don't know. That's up to you. Let me give you a couple of suggestions. Read them straight through, 1 through 150. In case you don't know, Psalms broken up into five sections of books. And so they kind of are grouped together in types of Psalms. Uh, There are different types of Psalms in in the book of Psalms. This is the hymn book of the Jewish people, basically. All right, that's one. So you could just go straight through. You could do it randomly. Just pick one and do it. Um, I don't recommend that because you will bog down and you won't get to all of them. You could do the one on today's date. So today's the 11th, so you do the 11th Psalm. But here's the problem with that. There's only 30 days in each month, 31 on Psalm, 28 in one, or 20, yeah, 28. So, so you'll be reading the same ones. So then you read the first 30, and then you keep going, and you kind of, you could do that. Here, there's another way to do it, and, and here's the weakness in this one, is it is a lot, 
and you will get a lot out of it, but you will run, you'll get tired of writing things down because once you begin to do what I'm going to ask you to do, you're going to start gleaning things out of the Bible. Let, let me connect this back to the first thing I ask you to do tonight. I, first thing I ask you to do is look at 1 Corinthians 1-2 and tell me four things you saw there. And guess what? Everybody came up with stuff. So what I'm going to ask you to do is read the Scripture intentionally looking to find something. Most of us read the Bible like we walk down the street. I, I like to watch shows like on the History Channel, Discovery Channel, those where there are these guys and they're out there and then all of a sudden they go, look at that. And everybody else goes, what? He goes, look, what? What are you seeing? It's some little thing. And then he goes, that's telling me that under here and over there. what? And all of a sudden he comes out with this huge, amazing thing. And everybody's like, whoa. Well, he had an eye for it. He's looking for it. While the other guy's just walking past it because they're not looking for it. Right? Y'all following me? I'm preaching now, so I've got to stop myself. Sorry. Uh, and so... So that's how many of us read the Bible. Well, I've got to read my Bible. So we just start reading. We read, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. All right, I'm just going to stop on the first verse. Now tell me, you read it again to yourself and ask the question, what kind of God would, and tell me what you see there. Okay, God is good. His love endures. He's merciful. Someone said, mine doesn't say the word mercy. So if I misheard you, I'm sorry. But Okay, that's at least three things. Now let me point something out. There's something there that is subtle that maybe you didn't see. Maybe you didn't just didn't say it. He's worthy to be given thanks to. He is a God who is worthy of my thanks. Right? Now you catch what I'm doing? He is a God who's good. He's a God who is merciful. He is a God who, whose love endures forever. His, he is a God who has steadfast love, which means it doesn't alter, doesn't change, it doesn't go away. You just found four or five things, so you write those down. And then you come back to pray and you say, God, I thank you that you are worthy of my thanks. You, Lord, are so great and so wonderful And you've given so much to me. All I can do is say thank you. And I can never repay you for your mercy. For your goodness to my life. You give good gifts to your children. And you've given me good things. And you have poured out steadfast love for me. When I was unlovely and when others did not love me. But yet you love me with a steadfasting love that does not end. It goes on forever. And ever and ever. I don't know about you, but that feeds my soul. Now, I just went from just reading the Bible and writing something down to finding out what kind of God do I serve and worshiping Him at home by myself with an open Bible, an open notebook, and in prayer. Did you catch it? Y'all with me? All right. Well, y'all do a couple of verses and write something down. You can just do verse 2 and 3. And, and our brother picked out a, a, a psalm with 45 verses. So you got a lot to pick from. And, and by the way, you say, well, I didn't get all that out of it. Then go to the next verse. And you say, well, he told us to read verse 2, and I didn't get anything out of it. Then go to verse 3. Just keep going until God goes, hey, 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 look at this. <laughs> all right? Because God will do that as you're looking. What kind of God, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble. Wow, a lot in there too. 
I'm not asking you to pray through them. I'm asking you just to discover them at this moment, which but you may be so overwhelmed you got to pray. That's fine. But And I will promise you, if you do this consistently in your life, that it will alter your relationship with the Lord in a positive way. This is not reserved only for the Psalms. Psalms just the easiest and to do because it's it's already written in a way that praises God. Uh, and I know you're trying to find things that I'm talking, but I just wanted you to do a couple. So that's why I'm just going ahead. Tell me something you saw in verse two, three, verse forty-five. I don't care. Something you saw. Tell me what verse you saw it in that that you got out of it. God redeemed us. Amen. There you go. God redeemed us. What else? He protects us. We should tell him, tell people about it. He is worthy to be spoken of. He values us. What? He, if I cry out, he hears me. He, yeah. Anyone who calls on him, he's inclusive. What did you say? In five and six, it talks about him providing for us. Thank you. So you can see, man, God is a provider. God. Loves us. God gathers in from the lands, from the east and from the west. So, listen, there in verse 3, we can turn that into a missionary prayer. God, you gather in, and there are people in this city that you want to gather in. Use Calvary to gather them in to the family of God. Whoa. All of a sudden, our praying is getting real. It's getting pointed. It's getting specific. It's getting godly in God's mind, right? So... I want you to follow this pattern for these nine weeks. I want you to read every day in the psalm, any kind of little way you want, the day. The, oh, I never, I didn't finish that. I started telling you the, the, the other way to read the psalms. Start with today's date, the 11th. There are 150 psalms, average of 30 days a month. 30 times 5 is 150. So you can read five psalms. You could do one through five, but like I said, you're going to be reading the same kind of psalm. Or you could read number 11. Add 30, number 41, add 30, number 71, add 30, number 101, add 30, Psalm 131. You just read five Psalm, and every month you'll read the whole book of Psalm. But you read that much Psalm, you won't have enough paper to write down everything, and you'll just start kind of skimming over it. So I, I don't want you to get to that point where you get kind of frustrated. So if, if you're just getting something meaningful and you read two verses and that's all you can handle, that's great. But just glean that out of the psalm while we're, while we're going through this. Now I'll turn to the book of Proverbs. We're going to talk about the middle section. Yes, ma'am. Or sir. Sorry. Yes. Um, yeah, David Jeremiah wrote a book. Uh, there's a professor from Southern Seminary who wrote a book about this. Um, I learned this like 35 years ago. So I'm reading all these books going, why didn't I write this book? Because... Pastor Chet showed me this 35 years ago, and that's what I do. So, anyhow, um, somebody pick a number between 1 and 31. 25. I heard that first. Sorry. I'd have picked you, baby, but somebody. 25. All right. Now, when you read the proverb, and this may seem out of order to you, but we often start our prayers with um, repentance. Again, this... It's not you have to uh, do anything. But I'm going to make an argument for starting rather with praise. And that's how this sheet is designed. 
Because it is in the presence of God that I see sin more clearly. Remember Isaiah? What, what did Isaiah say? In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. And he was lifted up and holy and his train filled the temple and smoke was issuing and the whole earth shook at his voice. And Isaiah said what? Woe is me for I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Right? Now, Isaiah switched kings from Uzziah, his favorite, to the Lord. What chapter in Isaiah is that story found? Chapter 6. What was he doing the first five chapters? He was preaching without ever having seen the Lord. Now, I don't want to make too much of that because obviously he was doing what the Lord was leading him to do. But here's my point. When he had that personal experience in the throne room of God in heaven, it radically changed his outlook, right? So when we praise God through the psalm, like I'm talking about, you've stepped into God's presence based on what he said and you've just worshipped him as he is. All of a sudden, you are open to seeing yourself as you are now because you've seen God as he is. Does that make sense? So when you read the psalm, the proverb, you're asking this question. What do I need to work on? Okay? So, um, boy, this is dangerous. But I'm going to do it. Um, I'm just, let me read. These are the proverbs of Solomon. These also are proverbs of Solomon, which the men of Hezekiah, king of Judah, copied. It is the glory of God to conceal things, but the glory of kings is to search them out. And I think that verse has been misrepresented a lot. What it's saying is it's the glory of God to hide things that we can go discover. That's what he's saying. God hides some things because it is in the effort of discovering them we get to know God better. So that's what he's saying. So I could say about myself, perhaps, I'm not trying to figure out what God is wanting me to hunt for. I've quit chasing God. Have you ever heard that phrase, chasing God? It it, it means somebody who goes after God, who who seeks after God, who's who's trying to, to find God in some way. And when we hear that, I don't know about you, but I used to have this thought in my mind. It's like a guy running a race and he's chasing God. But somebody said, no, 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 no. Here's what it's like. And I got to go up here to do it so you can see it. Um, I've got four grandchildren now and uh, they are all under age of four. Um, Yeah, two girls. Don't ask me. Um, But anyhow, but I did it with my kids. And so I'd play with my kids and I'd go, I'm going to get you and I'm going to get you, daddy. And I'm, I'm running from them like this, you know. Right? And then in a minute, I just slow down and let him grab my leg. Oh, you got daddy. Oh, you got daddy. Ha, ha, ha. Right? Isn't that how we do it? They were chasing daddy. They weren't going to catch me unless I wanted them to. That was a great performance. Um, when we say we're chasing God, it's not that he doesn't want to be caught. He wants you to chase him. And he's going, come on, come on, come on, no, get daddy, get daddy, come on, come on, come on. We're going, what? God answered my prayers. He's going, come on, come on, come on, come on. And boy, at the right time, he'll let you catch him. And he'll fall down with you and he'll love on you and hug on you and play with you. 
Proverbs will help us chase after God. Why am I not chasing God? That very first verse got me. It's the glory of God to hide things. It's the glory of man to find them out. God, what are you doing? What are you up to? Show me. I'm so excited. In the middle of pain, Lord, you're doing something awesome. What is it? <laughs> you know, and we start chasing after God. Second verse, as the heavens for height and the earth for depth, so the heart of kings is unsearchable. Take away the dross from the silver and the smith has material for a vessel. Wow. What, verse 4, what is in my life that is dulling down the silver that God wants to shine? God wants to see himself in the silver of my life. What, oh God, show me what's in my life that dulls your image in me. Take away the wicked from the presence of the king and his throne will be established in righteousness. What wickedness am I allowing to come into the throne room of God who set up a throne in my heart that does not allow you to establish righteousness in my life? You get in the presence of God and all of a sudden this stuff starts. It's not like, oh yeah, that's an interesting thought. No, we start personalizing it. Don't put yourself forward in the king's presence. Stand in the place of the great. For it's better to be told, come up here than put low, to be put lower in the presence of a noble. God, use me any way you want, anywhere you want, anyhow you want. I'm your vessel. I'm not asking great things. I'm asking to be used of you however you want. I am available. Man, you start writing that stuff in your Proverbs section. You see what I'm talking about? Did that make sense to everybody? Did the Psalm thing make sense? I, I need to know because I want to generate. Did the Proverb thing make sense? Well, the third section is you can write down prayer requests that you know about. It may be something in your personal life. may be in a relative's life. may be in a neighbor's life. may be in a friend's life. It may be somebody you're praying for. To, or you may pray for your kid's specifically on Monday and for the church specifically on Tuesday and for your boss specifically on Wednesday. I don't know. So you can develop that any way you want, the third one. Or you say, well, I didn't get a lot out of Psalm and Proverbs. I want to read through this New Testament book. Why, why do I say New Testament? Because we relate more easily to the New Testament. And this, this paper is not for knowledge. It's for experience. But it's for experience with knowledge, Okay. We're not just seeking an experience. We're seeking for God to do something in our life. And so, which I know is an experience. But I'm seeking God to know him and to understand him. So I'm taking these scriptures. I'm doing that. And so the last thing can be prayer. Or you could go through a Bible book in the New Testament. Where you are get gleaning principles. Something to pray for out of those. Again, you don't have to read a lot. One time I just decided. And I just preached through the book of Ephesians. We got a little bit more to go. But I've got a little notebook where I read the book of Ephesians one verse a day until I was done. And I defined every word and every verse of my English Bible reading Ephesians that way. Why? Because I just felt like I wanted to. I was, God just told me kind of to do that. No, I don't hear voices where God says, read Ephesians one verse at a time. No, he didn't do that. But I just felt impressed with the Lord to do it, so I did it. And I got a lot out of that. I've never done that before, never done that since. That was a long, tedious process. But I just wanted to glean whatever God was saying in that book. And so then I'd, after you pull it apart, you got to put it back together. Oh, and so new things kind of start popping up at you when you do it. So you use that third section any kind of way you want. All right? So I'm, I'm just giving you suggestions of what you might do. 
But this is one reason you need a notebook or a journal. If you, if you take these papers and punch holes in them, put them in a binder like I have here, and you want to put extra sheets in there and use this notebook, that's fine. Whatever you want, you do. Um, but I, I recommend you hold all this stuff together. One, thing, one week doesn't build on another, but this is kind of an introductory week. So, so uh, I, I want you to do that this week. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set you a low goal. Have at least five personal times with the Lord over the next seven days. At least five. All right. Um, I've, I have put myself in a position where I cannot skip a day. Because I started writing an, an idea about a devotional. And I put it on Facebook. And there are people that are looking for it every day. So today I didn't get to it till 3.30 when I woke up from my nap. Okay, I'm just going to tell you. I woke up early this morning. And don't ask me because I couldn't tell you. But it got away from me. We, we come to, set, to church at 7 to pray just so I'm at service on time at 8. Okay, that's, that's kind of the real... No, it's not really the real deal. But anyway, um, so, but, but do that. Get up, have, that, have a notebook, and make that three-page sheet at least five times a week, okay, for nine weeks. So we have 45 pages. Again, I think from that experience, you'll begin to see. And God will begin to speak to you about sin problems in your life. I will tell you this also about the Proverbs section. You may, God may say, dude, you're lazy. Okay. So this month, because I'm reading a proverb a day. How many proverbs are there? 31. There's a couple of months with 31 days. Most have 30. On the third day, you can read 30 and 31. Or first day, you can read one and two or an extra verse a day or whatever. But here's the deal. This month, I'm going to look at everything Proverbs says about laziness. And so every time, that's all you're looking for. You're reading chapter 11, uh, 25, and all I'm just looking for, when God says something about laziness, I'm going to write that down. And then the next month, God says, you also got a problem with, I don't know, I'm scared to say anything now. Um, uh, you got a bad attitude toward people. Okay, so now I'm going to see what Proverbs says about, you know what you're going to find? You didn't know that God could put that much in those 30 chapters. Because you could do that every month for the rest of your life. And you'll see something new every time you read the same Proverbs you've been reading. I, I, I just wonder, does God like pull things out, put things in just for you at that moment? I just, it, it just blows my mind what you'll see there sometimes. So that is another method of reading through the Proverbs. Looking for a specific thing that God's dealing with you about. Because all of us come forward, man, I'm prayerless, or I don't witness, or, or I'm, uh, you know, I, I, I don't handle my money right, or I'm ugly to people, or whatever. And just so you go, okay, the, this month, that's the way I'm going to do it. So just any way you want to do it, but do something to, to ask God, what is it you're trying to tell me? Um, I want to go over one other verse, and then I want to talk about another s- subject. we got about 22 minutes left. Look with me in James 5, 13 through 16. And we will pray together in this class, I promise. We'll, we'll close in a time of prayer. So I, I need to kind of get you in there. Look at verses 13 to 16. That's, it's a little bit longer. Somebody stand up and read those three verses for us, four verses. 13 through 16.
Okay, what is the key element to handling difficulties in life? Answer that question right now. Prayer, thank you. See, y'all are already caught on. That's awesome. All right, so look, look at these verses. What are some circumstances that call for prayer? Even though I said what I said early. Suffering. Yeah, if you're cheerful, <laughs> then sing praises. Uh, if you're sick, but how do you handle that? The elders of the church go to the sick person, anoint him with oil, and pray in the name of Jesus. We don't do that as much as we should. And the prayer of faith will save the one who's sick, and the Lord will raise him up. If he is, uh, and if he's committed sins, he'll be forgiven. So he says, so therefore confess your sins to one another. Now, it's not saying go around blabbing about everything you did. What it's saying is confess your needs, your faults, uh, attitude, whatever, to one another, and then pray for each other. That you may be healed of, of, get the power to overcome that sin. The, notice this, the prayer of a righteous man avails much. Well, we got a bunch of righteous people in here. Say, so you don't know me, you don't know if I'm righteous or not. If you're saved, you're righteous because you got the righteousness of Christ. you got the breastplate of righteousness. I didn't say you were righteous. I said, we got a bunch of righteous people in here because God made you righteous. And, when, and, and you say, well, I mess up. Yeah. So, it makes you like the rest of us. But we have the righteousness of Christ. And so, once you, if we rehearse that truth, we start to realize, wait a minute, I shouldn't act like that because I've got the righteousness of Christ. I don't have to act like that. Right? Romans 6 says he broke the power of sin in our life so we don't have to be the slave of sin. And so, the, effect, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as is working. So, we need to be in prayer for one another. And uh, there's something coming down the line. I can't wait to get to it. Would you click to the next slide, Brother uh, Bobby? I want to just talk for a, a few minutes, and, and then we're going to close in prayer. And our closing prayer, we're going to pray with each other. It's going to be a very simple prayer. And uh, I don't know if you've noticed, but every once in a while I still slip up and say it. But I want you to, if you ever hear me say these words, come tell me, ha, caught you. All right, I'll give you $5 if you do. I never say, join me for a moment of prayer or for a minute of prayer. I do say it occasionally because I slip up, so you can get five bucks if I do. So prayer is so important, we're going to limit it to a minute. So I quit saying it. We're telling everybody, yeah, well, it's not that big a deal. We're just going to pray for a minute. So I try never to say it. Sometimes I do, and... Like I said, I'll give you $5 if you catch me. But I may owe it to you for a long time before I give it to you. But I will give it to you. <laughs> With interest, yeah, yeah. Yeah, a penny a year for 10 years. No, um, anyway. So, so as, we, as we go to pray, I think we ought to slow ourselves down. My son is 20, what, how old is he, three? He's born in 94, so yeah, he's 23. He's working on 24. And since he's a little kid, and he prays this way even to this day, Dear Heavenly Father, 
I mean, that's just how he opens his prayers. He has, since he was a little kid, he still does. Hey, you want to pray for me? Okay, dear only Father. And then he prays. And, and, he, uh, and he asks God for the same thing a lot of times, too, which I'm grateful for because I'm one of those things. But uh, he prays for me. But, um, but so many times that we just go, would you pray? Sure, let's pray. Join me for a moment of prayer. Okay, so we're just going to pray for a second. So I ain't got time to, you know, hey, God, uh, help us. Amen. You know, and we go on. Whatever we say, we, we come up with some phrase that we're used to. Um, I didn't mean to impersonate President Obama there, but it kind of sounded like I did. Um, I went real choppy and short there for a second. Sorry. My ear hears weird things in us. This section is called How to Address God. And, and there are a bunch of verses. Look those verses up. Pick one verse and look it up because I'm going to ask some, everybody to stand up. Somebody to stand up and read each verse. All right. First person finds Revelation 4.8. Stand up and read. And then everybody else can look up a different one. All right, go ahead, bro. All right, Psalm 83.18. Who's got that one? Go ahead, sister. All right, so I read 63.1, in case you didn't notice it tagged on up there. So I got Psalm 63.1. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Amen. Exodus fifteen two. Okay, Jeremiah ten ten. Go ahead. Okay, Deuteronomy 6, 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. All right. Have you ever had to go to someone and ask them for something? Let me ask it this way. Why do you ask someone for something? Not because of your need. Why do you ask that person for that thing? Because they've got, yeah, I, I was telling somebody that my truck slid off the driveway and I couldn't get it out. It's not four-wheel drive and it was spinning in the leaves. The next day, I had to call my brother back there, Johnny Bishop, and he came. And I asked him not to tell anybody at church that the Dodge had to pull my Ford out of the ditch. But, uh, but it did. You know why I called brother Johnny Bishop? He was close and I knew he had a truck to pull me out. So why do you pray to God? Because he's close and he's got the answer to the need. So did you notice how I prayed at the beginning tonight? God of all wisdom and knowledge. Open our minds to learn what you want us to learn. Right? 
And so I wanted to model for you addressing God by the designation that I need an answer to. Oh, God of healing, I need $1,000. Now, God gets it, I know. I don't, you know, I'm being a little silly to make a point. God who owns the cattle on a thousand hills and the fullness of the earth is thine. Hear my prayer. We need this money to go to this missionary. Right? So it is important for us to stop and address God in a particular manner. How do you address God when you go to prayer? Okay, let's pray. Dear God. Okay, he gets it. I get it. But how meaningful, God doesn't need all these things I'm talking about, but we need them. Are you with me? I don't want you to think that like, oh, God doesn't hear me if I don't talk to him right. No, of course he does. But boy, if I slow myself down, because I'm, I'm kind of a hurried person sometimes. My wife might debate that. But anyway, um, you know, I, let's get through this. And Okay, God, da, da, da. And, and there are some times when well, that's the prayer. I mean, have you ever been sliding through an intersection trying to avoid a car pulled out in front of you? That is no time to go, oh, God, who holds the world in your hands. No, I was like, God, help me. Woo! You know, we're doing that number. I, that actually happened to me once. Somebody pulled right out in front of me, and I drove in ways I can't drive. So Carrie Underwood, though she wasn't even born then probably, was right because Jesus took the wheel, okay? And I got through it. <laughs> Sliding sideways in a 70 Chevelle Malibu. Yeah, yeah baby. Uh, anyway, um, so, so, yeah, there are times. But, but if I've got that opportunity, all I want to slow down and say, God who is holy, We, your people, step into your presence, Father, because we need your righteousness, your holiness. We want to be set apart for your service because you are the thrice holy God. Did you hear, and as we read those verses, how people say, he is a God that is this way, he's a God that's that way. And so it might become important for us to start learning what are the designations, what are the names of God. He's got tons of them in the Bible. There are books about that as well. So the address of God, and I put it in your notes, includes the designation by which you call into God and your reverent, thoughtful approach to his presence. Now, I don't care who the president is or was. If I had the opportunity to have an audience with the president, I would not go in and go, let me tell you what I think you ought to do. I'd say, Mr. President, I pray for you because God has called me as a Christian and a Christian leader to pray for the rulers of our land. And I pray that God would... Help you in making hard decisions. But I have a request. May I offer you my request? Because only you could do something about this. Now, that's the respect I'd give any president, whether I liked him or not, right? How much more God? Though he's our father. I never walked up to my dad and said, hey, daddy. I tell y'all, I don't get up well in the mornings. And my, I just do a paper out early in the morning. My dad would wake me up because he was already up. He, got up. he met with God at 5 in the morning. He met with God before he went to bed at night. And he met with God in the middle of the day at work in front of people. So and my dad had a sixth grade education, but he, he loved Jesus. And so one morning, I, he had called me a couple times, couldn't wake me up. And so he shook me. If you catch me sleeping, don't ever shake me. Because I hit him. Bam! So he hit me back. Pow! Like, Whoa, Daddy, stop! Whoa, okay, okay, I get it, you know. My point was, I was not very thoughtful. <laughs> I didn't say, oh, Father, thank you for causing me to arise to go to my paper out. No, I just swung, you know. I wasn't conscious. 
Should I come to God unconsciously or consciously? Should I come to God with some reverence and say, Father, thank you. My dad was a great guy. Don't, don't misunderstand anything I said there. So the address of God can lead us to, into an extended time of worship. As I understand who he is, now I can worship him a little bit more about what I just called him. As I've addressed him for, for who he is. It can cause, oh, thank you. Oh, God, you, you are the God of all power. And, and I saw your power work when you dealt with this need or met that need in, in this life. And it can create new petitions because I know he's the guy that can fix that. He's the guy that can grant that. He's the guy that can do that, right? And I'm saying guy, I mean God. He's the God who knows and understands and provides. He heals. He gives. He is our banner. His banner over us is love. He is the God of, of war. He is the God who brings peace. He is the God of, 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 of wrath and of love. He is the God that has everything for every need of my life. And what I need in this moment, he's got and God is never diminished when he answers my prayers. He never has to, he doesn't get tired. In Psalms it says, Lord, you're not one who gets tired, who, who is, goes away. You, while we sleep, you watch over Israel while it sleeps. I pray that sometimes at night. God, I thank you that you're the God who will stay awake while we sleep and watch over us. Because that's who he is. And it, it just helps to understand that. So as we address God carefully, it can help us. So let me show you this one other thing. I've only got a couple minutes. Look at Daniel 9, 4. Daniel is, is between the Psalms and the New Testament. It's the last of the major prophets. After you get through the wisdom books, Isaiah, Jeremiah. Uh, uh, gosh, can't get that book name out. Ecclesiastes came before, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, that's it. And uh, then we come to Ezekiel and then Daniel. Look in Daniel chapter 9 and verse 4. And I I will go ahead and read this for us, but uh, I pray that you turn there. See if I can find the number 4 in my book here. I'm sorry, I'm, it's my eyes. Okay, I was looking at three and thought it was a five. There's four. I prayed to the Lord, my God, and made confessions, saying, O Lord, the great and awesome God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Now, notice the question I asked on your paper before that verse is listed. When we approach God, do we approach him because of who he is, or, or we should approach him on the basis of who he is and not on the basis of my sin? Daniel acknowledged his transgression or the transgression of his people there. Notice that. I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession. He made a confession, but notice his confession. His confession is about how awesome God is. It's not about how horrible he is. How many times have you prayed? Don't answer out loud. How many times have I prayed where I said, Oh, Lord, I'm just a sinner saved by grace and... I'm no good. I'm not worthy to approach your throne. But God, uh, we're just asking you now, please, you know, if you got nothing better to do and you think you can get around to it, could you just kind of help us here? You see how much we diminish God in our prayers sometimes? I, I know I went off facetiously there. Notice what Daniel says. I made confession, O oh Lord, the great and awesome God. 
who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. That's who you are. Now I want to confess my sin to you. <clears throat> he goes on to confess his sin. But he approaches God on the basis of who he is. You're in Daniel. Go back to chapter 2. <clears throat> Excuse me. Mark discovered this morning the horror of having a mic on your face at all times. <clears throat> Excuse me. In Daniel chapter 2, verses 20 through 23. Again, I'm going to read them to you just because I want us to pray for a moment before we leave. See, I just said it. Somebody should have caught me. <clears throat> Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God. And actually what I meant to say is a word of prayer. Let's have a word of prayer. Um, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness. And light dwells in him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise. For you have given me wisdom and might and have now made known to me what we asked of you. For you have made known to us the king's matter. Let me ask you a question. What did Daniel ask for in that prayer? He asked for wisdom. He confessed that God had given him wisdom. And that he was the God of wisdom, but he didn't ask for it. You keep looking, but what you're going to find out is the answer is he didn't ask for anything. Yeah. If you never get around to asking God for what you want to ask him for, here's a Bible verse for you. He knows my thoughts before I think them. You think God needs me to tell him what I need? He knows better what I need than I know what I need. What he wants me to do is come and say, I'm just a child in the presence of a mighty, godly, father, king of glory. You're going to take care of me. I'm not worried about it. Now, why do we ask for things? I'll tell you why. So we can record them and give testimony to what God has done. And in the Bible, the heroes of the Bible ask God for stuff and things and actions and all that stuff. Not saying don't ask him. But what I'm saying is don't get hung up that if you don't ask, God won't hear or answer that prayer. Because he will. And though I don't think he understood what he was saying, Garth Brooks did write a song called Thank God for Unanswered Prayers. Well, I think God answers unspoken prayers. Right? I think God answers prayers. We don't don't ever get around to asking. He's like, I'm going to give this to you anyway, but you should ask me for it, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. I'm going to help you here because you weren't smart enough to ask me, but I'm going to do it anyway. We ought to be aware of those and write those down and say, God, thank you, man. I didn't, I didn't even know I should ask for that. Wow, appreciate that. You know, sort of like, I don't know if you are the person who packs or the person that unpacks at your house. But if you're the person that unpacks, which means you put everything up when you get home, but your wife or your husband's the one who packs, and then you get where you're going and say, did you pack my so-and-so? And they go, don't ask me. You make me do it all, so don't even ask. I've taken care of everything, Right? That might be something that might be said. Might not. Might say, no, I didn't do it. You want it, you should have brought it. You know? God's not, God is the God, he, he took care of it. You don't even have to ask him. He took care of it. He's got it under control. And then that's prayer in Daniel 2. He doesn't ask him for anything. He just says, oh, whoa, you answered my prayer already. And the, you're just a great God. And he, it's just a thanking him for that. And so when I go to God, just again, 
Go to him about who he is, and Psalm will help you do that. That's letting us know it's time to go. Um, and, and then we don't have time to read them. We would if we'd had more time. But here's your first homework assignment. Go and read all those verses that are at the bottom because those are all passages that exalt God. So you might use some of those to help you start your praying. Here's what I want you to pray for you leave. Uh, just turn to somebody close to you. And honey, you can come up here by me or I'll get down here. Um, and, and pray for each other that you'll be able to do that three-section sheet five times this week in the way that we instruct it, okay? Just pray for each other that that'll happen. I'm going to leave the notepad somewhere in the back, I guess. If you haven't put your name and all on it, just turn to a clean page and write out a prayer request. It could be a name. It could be a thing or a, a situation. Don't make it, you know, don't tell secrets on the paper because uh, I'm going to give it to everybody to, to pray for. And we'll make those points of prayer.